We are the Bride Radio as the voice of the true Bride of Christ. bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army and the kingdom we recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood but with the principalities and the powers of the air we are a ministry of prayer and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe we provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. This is a WATB disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are the Bride Ministries, We Are the Bride Radio, or We Are the Bride Television. Thank you. Welcome to Fireside Chat with Dr. June Knight. Our idol today that we are praying about. is called elitism cliques and tribes and we're going to examine the word today what does god say about that what does god say about preferring other people over other people well let's see what he says if everybody would turn your bibles to james chapter 2 all right let me get my little bible up here this is the uh, U version app, and this is the King James version. I prefer the King James. This is my mother's Bible. Remember when she passed away last year in January? It's almost been exactly a year. This is the Thompson Chain Reference Bible, the King James version. Centennial Edition, red letter. I like the red letter because I like to see where Jesus was talking specifically. Okay? So, out of this Bible, I use the King James. And then out of my version Bible, I use the King James as well. But this is the app that I use. The version app. I like having the little man read to me uh, while I'm reading. Okay? So, if you would turn in your Bibles... To James chapter 2. Alright, let's go to James chapter 2. And let's go ahead and get started. Good morning, Miss Jean. I appreciate you, Miss Jean. I appreciate you uh, tuning in with me every morning. Okay? Alright, let's go to James chapter 2. We're studying about cliques today. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. If there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves? Okay, so the Lord definitely exhorts us right there in the beginning of this scripture that this is a wrong way to think. <laughs> Good morning, Jean. That this is a wrong way to think. Why is it wrong to have cliques? Because in the kingdom of God, everyone is accepted. Everyone has a right to salvation. And everyone has a right and has the access to God, has the doorway to God. And God wants every person to fulfill their destiny. Okay? 
So, if you have Jane over here, and Jane is a very poor girl, she does not have any choice about her parents. She was raised like this. This is all she knows. But then you have Joe over here, who was raised in an affluent home. And he had really nice things. And his parents raised him, you know, right, and in the admonition of the Lord and all this. So he has a better upbringing than poor Jane over here. Okay. But God wants to use Jane. God wants Jane to fulfill her destiny. So this one that has much is held accountable to God for having much. He's learned better. Joe knows better. He has had better. He has had a good upbringing. He has understanding of the word. He understands who he is in Christ. He has not had to suffer much because of his parents raising him right. His parents living right has caused a blessing to come upon Joe. But you've got Jane over here that was raised poor in an alcoholic home. It was very abusive. She was molested. She had all these atrocities happen because her parents wasn't right with God. And then her parents abused her parents. And then it's like one big, one big trickling effect fall down upon Jane. But God wants Jane to have a good life. He wants her to come into her identity in Christ. But if Joe looks at her and says, Ooh, gross me out because you're poor and because you have had this upbringing and, and you're not as good as me and, and I don't like uh, what you look like. I don't like what you live in. I don't like what you, uh, the way you think. Okay? Because he's had better. And he has been raised in an upright family. And he's had money. And he's had blessings. And he's lived the good life. Okay? In the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of God. He want, God wants him to help the less fortunate. God wants him to teach her. How to change her destiny. How to change her family genealogy. She can let the buck stop here. Come on now. She can say, I can't help what my parents did, but I'm not going to be like that anymore. I refuse to partner with my genealogy. I refuse to partner with the sins of my family line. I refuse to have labels upon me saying I have to be like this. I want to be an overcomer. I want to be all that God has taught me to be. All that he wants me to be. So Joe... Will you please help me to come out of this? To come out of the sins of my forefathers? And to help me change my idea? No. Because I don't like the way you look. I don't like uh, who your parents are. I don't like the way you smell. Or whatever. You know? And so then she does like this. And she just falls over where she feels unworthy. See what I mean? We cannot do that. This is what God means in this scripture. For if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect to him that wears the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit over here by me in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand over there, or sit over here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? God says it right here. That is evil. People clicks are a stench in God's nostrils. And it is all up in the church. It is in the church. You will see the cliques sitting together every Sunday. They don't talk to anybody else in this church. They all stay together. They act like they're better than other people. When they talk to other people, they they talk down to them. And you'll even see it online where they form cliques online. And then everybody else is beneath them. This is a stench in God's nostrils. It is evil in all its ways. Let's keep going. We're on verse number five now. Hearken, my beloved brethren. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith? 
kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him. All right now. But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats. Uh oh. Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? Wow. And ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Okay, I just want to pause right there when it talks about the rich people. When you look at how Hollywood and how the media tries to portray Christians, they portray us as dumb, dumb, stupid, crazy people, uh, ignorant, less than, you know, the bottom of the barrel, dumb. And it, that's, I mean, it's the truth. And that's what he says right here in the word. But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you? And draw you before judgment cease? Do they not, do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you were called? Yes, they do. If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself you do well. Do we really love our neighbors? Do we really love our neighbors? I think that's one of the greatest transgressions of our country today, Brad. I really do. I believe we have quit loving our neighbors. And we have quit taking care of the neighborhoods. We have quit taking care of our neighbors. We have quit helping our neighbors. Thus, suicide rates have went up. Drug rates have went up. Alcohol rates have went up. Um, people have alienated themselves. And plus, it has a lot to do with technology. You know, people are putting their identity online, putting their identity uh, into a machine. So it's caused them to alienate from people. See what I mean? So, he's saying right here, love your neighbor as yourself, even if your neighbor's poor. Even if your neighbor uh, has had a rough upbringing and thus they're kind of dirty and they're kind of, uh, they have a lot of junk attached to them. Okay? So, let's keep going here. But it says here too, if you have respect of persons, you commit sin. That is a sin, bride. When we respect someone over someone else, that is a sin. And are convinced of the law as transgressors. The Lord, I mean, he couldn't say it any plainer. This is it. If we do this, the elitism clicks and tribes. We have judged other people and thus it is a sin. Okay, let's keep going. We're on verse 10. Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. He that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath shown no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Okay, do y'all catch on to what the Lord is saying there? He shall have judgment without mercy. That has showed no mercy. In other words, if we look at other people and we have judgments of them based upon being poor or their lack or their ignorance of the word or whatever, the Lord will judge us that much harsher. That's what he says right here in his word. For he shall have judgment without mercy, meaning God will not have mercy on you. If you treat others merciless, God will not have mercy upon you. And then he says, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Because we know God will have, we want mercy. Amen. Let's keep going. We're in verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them
those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Mm. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Okay, what he's saying here is saying, okay, let's say you see that poor person come in, and you have all this abundance. Bride, this is what the Lord has been teaching us through this 40 days of tearing down these idols. The Lord is teaching us that when we have abundance, because the Lord's about to give the bride abundance, okay? The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just, okay? The Lord has been telling us through these 40 days of tearing down these idols that when he, get, when he gives the transfer of wealth, he has to know that you are going to distribute. It's not for you to hoard. He may want you to keep some of it or all of it or whatever, but he has to know that you're going to be a conduit. You're going to be a person that will release. He has to trust you to love others, to give to others, and to have mercy upon others. That's what he's saying right here. Look, what does it profit, my brethren? Though a man say that he has faith and has not works, can faith save him alone? No. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? And even so faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. God is showing us, I am going to give money to my people that I know will distribute it where I need it distributed. And it's going to have to be people that understand the poor, that understand these people when they're hurting, when they see them, what can I, Lord, how can I bless that person? For instance, somebody brought over here all these collector's plates. You know, they was wanting me to sell them to make money for my ministry. And the Lord told me, nope, these plates are not for you. They're for Washington, D.C. You are to take, this is how I found out the team was going to D.C., he said, you're to take those plates to the American Bible Museum, the new Bible Museum that was just put up in Washington, D.C. So that's how I found that out. But see, my instinct, of course, would have been to have the money for myself, but God had other purposes. We must be a conduit for God's glory. We cannot hoard. We have been repenting of this during the past uh, <clears throat> today is the 16th day. We have, the Lord has caused us in this team to repent, to repent of hoarding, greediness, selfishness, uh, thinking of only ourselves, not sharing. The Lord is done with those days. He is done with people using the greed of the ministry of the abundance that God has given them for their own self and for hoarding it all and keeping it. See, that's a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of pride and it's a spirit of fear. Pride saying, I want to show off all my goodly things and fear. I'm afraid if I don't keep it, I'm not ever going to get it again. See, God wants us to be a conduit. It just goes through like this. And that is what he's saying. If you see your neighbor needs clothes and you don't help them get clothes or help them get food. And one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? And I'm going to tell you, bride, the Lord has showed me poverty. He has showed me lack to show me how these people feel. So that when the wealth comes to me, I will know how these people feel. I'll give you one example. I was on the road traveling. The whole United States on the border. I had no money and I was going state to state, city to city with nothing. I was going with a car with bald tires, rod knocking, and just 20 bucks. I left 20 bucks. I told the Lord, I'm going to drive until it runs out of gas. <laughs> Because you're the one who told me to go. And I went by faith. And he kept filling that faith. All these different places. So this one wealthy woman. That I knew was wealthy. Wanted to meet me in Texas. And, she, and I had to drive. An hour and a half to meet this woman. I had no gas. And I was just praying. Lord please let her give me a donation. 
She's the one that wanted to meet me for coffee. Maybe she's wanting to give me a donation for the trip. You know? People, I drove all the way out there to meet this woman. And all she wanted to do was find out from me, how are you doing this with no money? So I thought she was asking because she was wanting to donate to see if I was for real or whatever, you know. And so I was honest with her. I said, it's all by faith. I've been... <laughs> I have been trusting the Lord dollar to dollar. Everything I eat from state to state, city to city. And do you know when I left, she did not offer one dime. Not one dime. And then looked at me and said, you know I'm jealous of you, don't you? I'm like, what? Because I got a husband at home and can't go like you. Just wanted to meet me to tell me she's jealous. And not give me one dime. Listen. I got back in that car, and I cried so hard to the Lord. I said, Lord, can you believe that? Like, what the world? She couldn't even give me $20 for gas. You know, knowing I'm out here by faith, I have nothing, and I have to live by trust. It's like she liked watching me grovel and suffer. You see what I'm saying, Brad? If you see them in lack, and you have the ability to help. Help those people. Good Lord. Okay, so now let's continue. Let's see what verse we're on. I think we're on verse 18. We're in James chapter 2. And now we're on verse 18. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Okay, he's talking about if you see a neighbor in need and you don't help that neighbor in need, you have faith, but if you don't act, faith without works is dead. That's what he's saying. What is the point here, people? Remember my story about Jane over here is very poor. She was raised in an abusive home. Uh, she's raised in an alcoholic home. Her parents, she had no choice who her parents was. And now she turned out like this because this is all she's ever known. But you have Joe over here who was raised in an affluent family. Raised in abundant wealth. Raised right by parents that knew the Lord. And because of that, they're blessed. But he looks over there at Jane. And judges Jane because of her lack and her, you know, her ignorance. God will judge him for that. Because he has those things and he's held to a greater accountability. God wanted him to help her to rise up straight before his eyes. Knowing who she is in Christ. She does not have to accept her past. She don't have to accept her DNA and, and the statistics over her life. She can change all that through God because she can do anything but she don't know it. If you don't tell them, they don't know it. Alright, let's keep going. Now believe us that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Come on. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? In other words... What if Abraham would have just put Isaac up on the altar and left him there? There you go, Lord. You told me to do it, but I'm not going to pull that knife and I'm not going to try to kill him. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to leave him there. I had enough faith to bring him, but I ain't got enough faith to take him. That's what that word is saying. Let's keep going. Scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Oh, Lord, please let us be the friend of God. Please, Lord. We want to be your friend. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, Brad, look, we're on verse 24. Let's keep going. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Uh-oh, there you go. Uh, faith without works is dead. Lord, help us to have the works to obey you by faith. That is what the Lord is saying. 
So well, let's take the case of Jane over here, the poor underprivileged girl, and Joe over here, the privileged guy who knows the Lord. Faith, I'm going to have faith that she's going to get better. I'm going to have faith that Jane is going to rise up in her identity in Christ. But Joe is over here with the ability to make that happen. Joe is going to be held accountable for that because he did nothing to help her. I want to tell y'all something, my young son. See, I had two boys. Of course, I raised up all my kids in the Lord. Thank, thank you, Jesus. But my one son, my oldest son, was filled with the Holy Ghost when he was five years old and spoke in tongues for two days. My other son, uh, I think he got filled around ten. But my oldest son, every five years of his life, Jesus came to see him and he would give him an instruction, some type of instruction. So I raised my kids up and they knew the Lord. Well, I had a reason for telling y'all that and it just left me. Uh, Brian, can you believe that? I just forgot why I was telling y'all that. I was telling you something about my family uh, being raised up in the Lord. Well, it just left me. I don't know. I'm turning 50 years old this year, Brad. <laughs> Have a little mercy on me. But the point is, is that I was raising my kids, uh, raising them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And the two boys, uh, they knew the Lord and they uh, knew how to seek God. Now listen, when my kids was little... I made the choice. I refused for my children to grow up with the family line that I had. I wanted to change my genealogy. I wanted to change my future for myself and my children. Nobody in my family has ever had a college education. My oldest brother finally went and got one for HVAC. But I said, I'm going to change that in my family. I went to college. And then I ended up getting a bachelor's. And then God blessed me to get the master's. And then I went on to get my doctorate. I forcibly changed myself so that I would break this chain of poverty and break this chain of illiteracy in my family. I wanted my family to come out of this. I didn't want to be defined by the alcoholism and the abuse and the ignorance and all. You know what I mean. And so I come out of it and I raise my kids uh, in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And now my kids are totally different than the way that my family was raised. I look at them the way they treat their children. And I look at them the way they treat their spouses. And it makes me so proud as a mother. You know that I train them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And something else that I told my children. I said never let your lack hold you back from anything if you want to be a doctor you go for it because you have God your circumstances your outer circumstances does not limit your ability you can do all things through Christ that gives you strength you can only limit yourself yourself is your only hindrance and I raised my kids like that and they saw me struggle they saw me go to Bible college when the Lord, we had a brand new home. And they saw me obey the Lord, give my house back to God, give away everything I had, and follow the Lord all the way to Columbus, Ohio, with absolutely no money. They saw God meet me over there. They saw God give me an apartment. They saw God have all these people come and give me furniture, absolutely brand new furniture, better than what I had. I had better than what I gave up. They saw God come through for me. They know God is a supernatural God. And they don't have to limit any of their circumstances based upon their past. Uh, what the DNA has done in the past. We, But they would have never known that. If I would not have trained them in that fashion. When we see someone over here. Oh, I know what I was going to tell you now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing it back to me. 
So my sons would be in their bedroom praying, and they would be praying in tongues for hours. I mean, like eight hours. They would be praying in tongues. And one time, my son come out, and he told me, he said, Mama, you know, the Lord showed me that when he sends somebody across your path, now, Brian, this is a good little tool for you about ministry. When God sends someone across your path and they stand before your eyes and they say, man, my back is really hurting today. That is God saying, do something about it. Pray for that person. And then you know, okay, God brought that before my eyes. He's wanting me to do something. So then you pray for them. Would you mind if I pray for you? Yes. Lord, I thank you that your word says by your stripes they are healed. I proclaim healing over this person. Pluck out those roots of bitterness. Whatever the Lord gives you to say. So I have always remembered that. And remember that, bride. If somebody knocks on your door, like that girl did last week. <laughs> Listen to my dog. Like, oh no, somebody's at the door. Uh, when they knocked on my door and they wanted my car, immediately I was wanting to charge them $1,000 because I need it. Duh. You know, but the Lord spoke to me and said, no, you are to give them that car freely. If you've received freely give immediately. First thing I did is repented to the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry uh, for even, you know, trying to, I was trying to argue with the Lord about it <laughs> because I wanted that money. I needed the money actually. And so anyways, I repented for that and ended up obeying and uh but see he brought her to my door if somebody comes up to you and they say i am so hungry that is god wanting to know what you're going to do you're being tested and i want to encourage you bride that god tests you all the time and you don't hear people teach this do we we don't hear people say are you going to pass the test god is testing your heart he is testing you what are you going to do about this and then if you don't have the ability to do something, like when somebody comes before you and they say, man, I need a car so bad, pray for me to have a car. Okay, so you don't have a car, but you can pray for that person. Lord, give them a car. I'm in agreement with heaven. This person needs a car. You see what I mean? Like there's something you can do about it. If you don't have it within your position to give, you can come in agreement with heaven for it to be given to them. You may know a person that has a car that can give it to them or something. You see what I mean? Uh, there's something you can do. Faith without works is dead. Okay? So that's the whole point of this about cliques. We cannot be in a clique because we're all at different levels. And this Jane over here, she's like she is because she don't know better. Okay, she's not educated. She doesn't understand her position in Christ. This one, Joe, he's very well educated. He come raised in a good family with... He's very well blessed and abundant because his parents made right choices. His parents made right choices and whatever. But he needs to have mercy over here for Jane, who does not understand her position in Christ yet. Okay? So, uh, let's examine another scripture. Let's go to John 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Okay, let's go. John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 10. Look at all this writing of red. <gasps> That's what I love about these Bibles that have Jesus' writing. Or Jesus' words. Okay, John 10. Okay, I'm here. 10, 18. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. In other words, Jesus gave his life willingly. Okay. Yes, yeah, so... We willingly can choose what to do with our time, what to do with our possessions, and what to do with our life. Amen. 
So let's pray that we make the right decision. Let's go to Mark 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Mark. Matthew, Mark. Okay, let's go Mark 5. Mark 5, 37. Okay, here's 5. And let's go over here to 37. I want to encourage you, Brad. Let's get back to the written word. The written word. This word is not the same as this. Think I when I teach people about their identity in Christ, I teach them like this. Okay, we're all trees in God's great garden. You know, I wrote books about this, so this God gave all this to me in dreams. Okay, we are trees in God's great garden. But until that tree connects with its creator, it's a dead tree walking. It's hollow. Okay? It has no purpose for living. It's just a dry, rotten stick. But when that person connects with the Creator, a supernatural thing happens. These roots grow out the bottom of this tree and connect to the living water. It supernaturally connects to heaven like this word is the living water. Okay? So then, the roots just start flowing in this river. And flowing very easily, the Lord showed me healthy roots like this. Flowing in the river. Well, while it's flowing, this water is coming up the veins. It's coming up and it's refreshing the tree. The tree begins to grow good fruit. The tree begins to blossom. The leaves become healthy. Photosynthesis is working because the sun, which is Jesus Christ, is shining down upon that tree. So it receives from heaven in the top and it receives from heaven in the roots, okay? So what does the devil want to do with this tree? He wants to ruin the roots, right? He wants to stop this flow from heaven. So the Lord showed me that offense, when it comes in, is a spirit that comes down the trail of that tree and it clogs up that root. It clogs the root and then the water cannot pass through that tree. And then there's no refreshing coming from heaven. And it causes it to just dry up and become wither. And then the heart starts slowing down like this. And then you let enough bitterness come in and enough sin and it just hardens that old heart. And then all the fruit starts falling off. The tree becomes bitter. And then because the sun is shining on it, it gets angry. Because now the sun is burning it and it's not a good burn. It turns really bitter and angry. But the rivers, so a tree, a book, is produced by a living tree. We are receiving from the garden. Do you get it? This is a tree, a real tree on earth that made this, that the words of God is on. Isn't that amazing? And when we read this word, we are a tree. Remember, we bear much fruit in the garden. We're connected to the vine. When we get saved, we're connected. Our roots are connected to heaven. When we partner with this word of God, okay, it examines us. It's a supernatural experience. That's why I encourage people, read, read the written word, not the electronic word, because they're going to use that against us in the end. Okay? So... This is, when we read this, the Bible says it's like a mirror, okay? Say I'm reading this. While I'm reading this Bible, it's turning around and reading me. It's checking my heart. It's exposing the devil. It's plucking up them roots. It's pulling up those things that the devil tries to hold me bound. That's why it is so important to read the written word. Highlight it. You know, eat the scrolls. Uh, examine this word, rightly dividing it, asking God to teach you. So I encourage you, the tree on earth, written with the word of God, with the tree, our tree, and partnering together in this garden, okay? So like I've been teaching, the garden in our heart is intercession. People can cut our hands off, our feet off, they can beat us, mar us, do whatever they're going to do to this body, but it never changes my garden. You cannot, I can be talking to you and having a conversation with God because I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
that never changed. That's inside me. When I die, I, I go with it. You know, we're one. So my natural circumstances out here does not affect my garden. You can't have my garden. I'm the only one that can walk out of my garden and leave it. Now the Holy Spirit. Well, when I leave, then the Holy Spirit. He's a gentleman. He will. Uh, he will not always strive with man. That's why these people that teach once saved, always saved is not true. It gives a false sense of security. We have to work at this, people. We have to die to ourselves. Christianity is a death process. It's not always blessings. It's not always a good. It's not always positive. People, I've had people say, I can't be around you because I can't. Uh, you're not positive enough. I'm like, people, <laughs> Christianity is death. Christianity is going lower. It's not building up your flesh. Blessings all the time. It is going lower and allowing God to go higher. That is Christianity. I hate to tell you, but it's the truth. Christianity is about us changing and molding into His image. Not causing Him to make our image better. You see what I mean? We should not even be able to recognize ourselves because we're so uh, wrapped in Him. Wrapped in Jesus. Wrapped in His identity, basically. Okay? So anyways, Bride, I just want to encourage you in that today. And we read, did we read that? Mark 5.37. Here we go. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Oh, okay. Because they was trying to say he probably formed a clique by just hanging around them. I, that's not true. He had his 12 disciples, but he had, that's a team. There's a difference. They still went out and gave and loved and uh, had mercy towards others. Remember, we just read that word. That if you do not have mercy on the less fortunate, God's judgment will be harsher towards you. Because you will not have, He will not have mercy on you if you do not have mercy upon others. In other words, how you treat others is how God's going to treat you. So we must remember that. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay, well I want to take a few minutes. Oh, and I want to tell you one other story, Bride. When I was in high school, I was a cheerleader my freshman year, and I loved cheerleading because I, I was good at it. I was raised in dancing. Uh, I just loved it, okay? Well, my freshman year, uh, I was going to Beach High School, and we had such a rockin' pep rally. You know, back in those days, we had pep rallies that you just lived for every week on Fridays. We would rock that gym out. We would decorate that gym. We would stomp and we would come together in unity and we would fight for our team and, you know, in the spirit. And so I was a cheerleader and boy, I was really supportive of our freshman team. Okay? So every week, boy, I'd make these banners. I'd make these signs. Go, freshmen! Freshmen beat the seniors. <laughs> You know, uh, because you always competed against the sophomores, juniors, and seniors. So I was always for my t my group, which was the freshmen. So I'll never forget it on this day. It was senior day. So all of us freshmen had a meeting. We said, listen, we are going to take that spirit stick. Because every week you had to fight for the spirit stick. We're going to take that spirit stick and we are going to beat the seniors. We're going to do it. We're going to scream, stomp, bring our bells and everything. This is so funny, Brian. We made, I bet, 20 long banners, like 8-foot long banners. And we posted them all over at gym. We walked in here like we owned the place. We were shouting so loud, stomping. I mean, we blew them seniors out. Well, we won the spirit stick. It was so funny. You talking about mad. Man, those seniors were so mad because we beat them. So anyways, I'm just letting you know how much spirit I had in the school. One day, my coaches pulled me in the office. 
And they said, June, we want you to stop hanging around all them other people. We want you to only hang around the jocks. Now, see, back when I was in school, like a thousand years ago, <laughs> when I was in school, we had jocks, freaks. The freaks were the ones that did drugs and all that, smoke pot and uh, all this. The frocks, the frocks were the ones that were half freaks and half jocks. The nerds, you know, we had all these little different types of labels. So they told me, we want you to hang around the jocks only. Because, see, what I did with my personality, Bride, is the same way I do now. I talked to everyone. I would talk to a jock, a freak, a frock, a nerd. I mean, I didn't care. Because I loved everyone. And uh, so it made them mad. And they said, if you're going to be a cheerleader at this high school, you're going to hang around the jocks only. You know what I told them, Bride? I said, no way. I said, I can't do that. I said, I have to be nice to everyone. We're all students here at the school. I'm not going to do that. So you know what they did, Bride? Now, here's the one that everybody said, oh, my God, you're going to get most school spirit. I was all about that school. They turned around my sophomore year, which would have been my varsity year, and I was so excited about going on to the varsity level. They refused to even let me try out because I would not conform to their clique. So let me tell you what I did to get revenge, Brad. <laughs> this is funny. First of all, when they told me I could not be on the team because I would refuse to go in a clique, I thought about it that summer. Hmm, what am I going to do to show school spirit and let them know I don't have to be a cheerleader to show school spirit? So you know what I did, Brian? My senior year, I blew, I mean my sophomore year, I blew every one of them cheerleaders out. You know what I did? I started the school's very first pep club. I had over half the school in that sucker. I had over 500 people in the pep club. It was so good, Bride, that we took that team all the way to the Nationals that year. We went every ball game blowing it out. We was shaking the stands, screaming as loud as we could, rocking that school out. And I'll never forget the state playoff games. We had over 10,000 people at that game. We was in Greenbrier. We was playing Greenbrier, which was our rival at the state playoff. Well, we knew this was the game of all games. So we had all 500 students. Now picture this, Brad. Let's say this is the football field. We had all the pep club out there on the field with a line for the football team to run through. And we was like, you know, go Buccaneers. We was the Buccaneers. And they ran through there. I mean, we had a roar going. So anyways, the pep club was so good that I made the local paper <laughs> for doing that. But the point is, I refused to compromise. I refused to be in a clique. I refused to exclude other people in my school because they were poor or because of their actions. Were they not Beach High School students? Why should I act like I'm better than them just because I'm a cheerleader? That was my point. And you know what God has done? Ever since then, I've hated cliques. Ever since then. I refuse to participate in a clique. I refuse to go to a church and sit there and act like I'm better than everybody else sitting over here in a clique because I have giftings and callings and because I have, you know, uh, more money and I travel everywhere. You see what I mean? I refuse to participate in that mess. It's a mess. God hates it. And I'm going to pray for you, Brian, that we will not do this. That we will be exhorted by the word of God today that says, if you prefer somebody else over another, that is evil. The word said it today, evil. We refuse to participate in evil. And this is another thing, Brian, about the ecumenical movement. It's an elitist Masonic organization. The ecumenical movement. These ministries that are partnering in this ecumenical movement are becoming a part of a huge clique. 
This one world religion is becoming one big clique. I'm not partnering in it. I'm not going to be a part of it for nothing. Forget it. Nada. All right, let's pray, Brad. Lord, we pray today that we will not get involved in a clique, Lord, that we have received the word of the Lord today, saying we will not prefer other people above another. We will not form a clique, a group, a tribe, a party, anything that would exclude your people in the name of Jesus. Lord, forgive us for that. Forgive us for being high-minded and haughty and prideful, Lord. Help us to love others, love our neighbors as we love ourselves, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for not having forgiveness as well for other people and having prejudices against other people based upon race, tribe, or creed. Forgive us for that, Lord. Help us to be overcomers, your church, your people, Lord. We give you praise and glory today, Lord, for correcting us and rebuking us today. Because, Lord, this is the year of 18. You're maturing us, Lord. You're judging us this year. You are rising us up and causing us to go higher. And we accept the mandate of the call this year. We praise you and give you honor and glory and praise, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, bride. Well, I'm going to get off here. And I have to go pray with my team. This team is awesome. Let me tell you. Woo! We have only had one drop. One. Out of the whole 20. These are people that are dedicated to repentance to the Lord. And it is so awesome. It is beautiful. It is very, very holy. Uh, when we come together, God uses every one of them, the whole entire team. God uses them to impart, like say if we're dealing with this today about cliques, we'll have them come on the line and each one of them will have a different aspect to repent about, having to do with that idol. And we deal with that idol, we confess to the Lord, we're addressing it. We are addressing it as, we, as if it was us ourselves. We're repenting to the Lord. We're not pointing fingers. I want to point that out right now. We're not pointing fingers at others saying, you're doing this. No, we're taking it upon ourselves before the Lord. Somebody's got to do it for our nation. And the Lord gave me a dream and said, we've got to do this this year. So we're doing it and we're addressing it. And we appreciate your prayers, bride. Please pray for this team to protect us while we are battling in the spirit. Okay? And this team, God is dealing with them too about their own heart. Okay, so thank you for praying for us, Brian. God bless you.